You are slipping into a distorted dimension. Reality and fantasy are changing places. Past the event horizon, bullies are victims, men are women, and abuse is love. You weren't here just yesterday. Reality is still out there, but to find your way back, you have to notice it. To break the spell, you have to tell the truth out loud. And now, The Disaffected Podcast with Joshua Slocum. Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And you'll recall uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had our Sunday night TV show that talked about what it was like in Burlington, Vermont, when you are not woke any longer, and how much harassment the woke communities are allowed to get away with against people who object to them. We took you through the harassment that my friend Christopher Felker, who's with the Chittenden County Republicans, has experienced. We showed you the way that the mayor of Burlington, Moreau Weinberger, issued press releases condemning a group of Vermonters, including me, um, when we were trying to have a meeting at the library to talk about our gender critical position. So we had the media and the politicians locally uh, condemning us as transphobic and um, no pushback at all, none from any so-called respectable person. Even those of us who are actually gay people like me and like my friend Christopher, uh, who were involved in these issues, we've been unpersoned uh, within what is now called the LGBTQ community, but which is actually merely and only the trans queer community. This is their project, they have stolen everything. This week, we're gonna to talk to Holly Anagnos, who is a Vermonter who's experienced this um, from her own point of view and has had an attempt to boycott her business as a result of her not agreeing with woke politics. Holly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and it's so cool to get to talk with you and everything. Well, I'm really glad that you, that you reached out. It's nice, um, I am starting to hear from people who are actually in the state too, which is really good, because I think a lot of us don't know how many other um, how many other people may agree with us. I think those of us who are not in the woke camp feel very isolated, so it, it's good to meet you. Thank you. I think we really need to start a social club or some kind of social networking so that everyone can get support. Yeah, I mean, even that's hard these days, right? Because, <laughs> you know, you try to set up a, you know, an online digital meeting space where people can at least post notices with each other. And half the time, these things get infiltrated by people who uh, want to harvest some comments so that they can get your social media come, your social media spaces shut down. Holly, why don't you tell the listeners to the show, give us a little background on who you are, what your business is, and how you came to be in the crosshairs of woke politics. Okay. Well, I'm a professional writer, and during the pandemic, I had been laid off from my job. I was an SEO writer at a marketing agency, 
and I was thinking, gee, what would be a good business to do? So I moved here from Florida and I'm originally from Miami and I lived there almost all my life. So I noticed that there's not really any Cuban food around here. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, and for me, like I couldn't find Cuban food. And so I would stop at the store like one day and I saw yuca and I was so excited. I was like, oh boy, so I'd make it for myself. So I was like, well, gee, I mean, I guess, you know, other people probably miss this food too. So I, you know, came up with a little business called Miami Mommy that I would just make some Cuban, Puerto Rican, and some Dominican dishes out of my home and also just some, you know, Floridian favorites like key lime pie. Like anything, any food you can get in Miami. Sure. And it, I mean, it started out really great because, um, you know, people really did love the food. I think I only had one complaint. Um, and also when it, when it first started, there was a lot of this, oh, we really need Miami Mommy. We really need this diversity. And I met a guy <laughs> Cuban and he was like, like really excited about it. He's like, oh, you know, you can join my, my BIPOC business thing. And I was like, what is BIPOC? And <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh no, strike one. I know, I didn't know what it was. And I had to Google it. And then, um, then I found out what it was. And then the next time he came over to see me, like. I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't know why you keep calling me Cuban and BIPOC because I'm Italian and Greek. I, I don't think that those are, are BIPOC people. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, but you know what? That's the other weird thing is depending on who I speak to, there's people who tell me that, yes, you are a Latino. Well, yeah, I was I was going to say, I mean, how you know, we're, we're, we're dicing it really, really fine here. Um, yeah. You know, I think that by 2022 in America, that Italians and Greeks are pretty much considered white people. Yeah. I mean, at least I thought that was the case, but apparently not for, yeah. for some. I mean, not I, that anybody ought to give a shit right. <laughs> about that. Right, like this is some eugenic shit, but it's, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's weird because like when I lived in Miami, you know, I had, Cuban friends, Puerto Rican friends, Haitian friends, Dominican friends, Colombian, Ecuadorian, and nobody excluded me. Nobody. No, you know, I was just, you know, another one of the girls and I, I they didn't exclude me because they weren't racist. And I mean, there were some people who said, oh, you know, Italy was the first Latin culture, you know, so we have some, we do have a lot of things in common, like the language. My, my grandmother sure. only spoke Italian, but she could speak to people who were speaking Spanish in sure. Italian. So, you know, and also our food is so amazing and interesting, right? Because it, it all starts with the same thing with like olive oil and garlic, and then it yes. just changes what, what country you're in. So I think that's beautiful. Um, that's how food, that's how cuisines develop, you know, right. they get swapped around and 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 evolve over time absolutely right and i think that's beautiful just like the study of how our languages you know have commonalities um so i had been interviewed by three newspapers and stuff was good going pretty well and my favorite 
food blogger Lelita Diaz, she had posted this Betty Boop cartoon and it was something like, you know, Cuban till the death, like, you know, Cuban for life or pro-Cuban. Yeah. And so I reposted it and at, at back home, that's very common that you would see like a little flag for the country and then like a cartoon, like a, sure. you know, like it's pretty normal stuff. Um, but the first whiff that I had of this is the reporter from Seven Days said, oh, I, I got an email that you were posted something racist where you were claiming to be Cuban. And I said, oh, I, I don't okay. know what you're talking about. Let me, let me jump in here for the listeners um, and make sure that I, I clarify this. Seven Days is the name of our alternative weekly newspaper. It's a left-leaning a left progressive newspaper in a local institution. Holly, am I hearing you correctly? that out of the blue, you got a call from a reporter from Seven Days Newspaper who said, I heard you posted something racist? Well, let me, no, let me clarify. Okay. First, we agreed on having an interview. And then when she came to my house- And the house, interview was to be about your business. Is that right? Right, right. Okay. Then, so she came to the house and the first question she asked me is, so are you Cuban? And I said, no, I'm from Miami, but I'm Greek and Italian. And then later as we were speaking, she asked me about this and then I said, I thought she was putting me on or something because I hadn't heard anything about it. I was like, it's like, I, I really don't know that there's a backlash against me. Um, and then she said, well, that's okay. I asked you if you're Cuban, you said you're Greek Italian and this is just something you love that you grew up with. And I was like, okay. So, you know, she, she published the article and I thought, she did a really nice job and it was well written. But yeah. when she said that, I just got like, I don't know, like my ears perked up. Like I just, I was like, something just seems amiss here. Yeah, um, it's, it's like the first warning sign. Right, and so then I was friends with an older lady, as you know, who was a second wave feminist who I have a lot of love and respect for because those ladies were my teachers and my mentors. We're talking about Peggy Lures, right? Correct. Yep. And her name was Peggy Lures. And um, <clears throat> for the listeners, as, as a reminder, for people who haven't watched every episode of, of the show or listened, uh, Peggy Lures died earlier this year. Uh, she was in her 70s. She was a lesbian and a feminist activist. Uh, she was someone that I knew, uh, someone that Kevin, the producer on this show, was good friends with. Uh, she did a lot of good work and basically was one of the founders of the lesbian and gay community in Burlington during the 1980s. So uh, go ahead. Right. Back when folks had real discrimination, where someone found out you're a lesbian, it could mean something serious and people just thought of you as like icky or gross like that. That's what those guys had to deal with. So, I mean, yeah. I have a lot of gratitude and respect for those people. Um, so she came and she bought food and, you know, she was a very frail older lady. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me just put a pin in that. So there was a trans person um, a, a female to male trans person um, who had asked me for a job and they would come and buy food and they're very enthusiastic about the food. Um, and at first I didn't, you know, have room, but one day when I 
was kind of really swamped and stuff. Like I messaged them, I was like, oh, would you like to come in? And he's like, no, I can't because my I hurt my thumb or something. I was like, okay, whatever. And another day I asked him, oh, do you want to come in? I'm like super swamped. He's like, no, I can't because of this. And I was like, all right, whatever, that's fine. So that, that same guy, he did a call out post on Facebook and he said, Wait, just, I'm sorry, um, but for clarification, we are talking about a female, correct? A female who calls herself a female to male trans, is that right? Correct, a biological okay. female. Sure, I just wanted to clarify, I'm not going to monitor your language, but um, yeah, just to, That's fine. you know, just I to mean, clarify I, so that people can understand who we're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obvious that if you're biologically a female, you're always a female, but, you know, out of respect to the person, that's how they wish to be referred to. Okay. So um, the, this call out post said, oh, I noticed I have two people who are my friends who are also friends with this vile, disgusting transphobe. And if you want to be my friend, then you have to unfriend Peggy Lures. And I just ignored it. I was like, it's like, you know, that's, you got to be kidding me. Like for number one, you can't tell me who I can be friends with. And number two, I'm not going to sell out this poor little lady because you're a fucking wacko. <laughs> <laughs> yes, righteous. <laughs> so um, I just ignored it. And now the second, the next part of the story is that there is an app that is a Chrome extension. It's called Shinigami Eyes. Ah, yes. And, and Shinigami Eyes is from the anime Death Note that anytime somebody wrote their name on the Death Note, that person would die. So it's symbolically like an implicit death wish. Okay. So for that person. So people will enter a name a screen name any account that is cross-platform it could be on you know facebook twitter a forum it's cross-platform database on chrome and your name is forever marked as being a transphobe and so anybody using this database they either mark the person as you know red a transphobe or green a trans safe a, and a trans safe Yes, okay. like somebody who's okay. a safe person. Okay. So somebody had, was running this on their Chrome, apparently, and I was just reading um, the conversation. They said, oh, this person has been a, a, a enemy to the trans community for years. And I was like, gee, I wonder which one of us they're talking about. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, man. Here it comes. I want to you know, jump in and just point out here, just connect something for the audience. The, the this activity, the the posting that says you can't be my friend if you're friends with this person. This is, I mean, we've seen a lot of this, but remember that this is just another expression of domestic abuse tactics that are now used publicly in between friends. That kind of controlling yeah. behavior, uh, you know, where a if, if it were a domestic situation, if it were boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend, whatever it is, you've got one partner who says, who tries to whittle your friends down. They right. try to get you to be friends only with the people they want you to be friends with or with no one at all but them. 
this is it's it's an isolation tactic exactly um and that's you know so just drawing that connection there that this is yet another instance of a of a, a dynamic we see in domestic abuse at home that's now being normalized in public yeah exactly um so let me think oh and then there was a trans person like i had become friends with some people in burlington um that i, I didn't really know but like i was like facebook friends and yeah. someone trans and one of them posted on the thread oh my god this this transphobe i saw all these people praising her and it just made me stick sick to my stomach you know why would you praise a transphobe and then the person wrote i can't spoon feed people meaning that it was the ownness of everyone in the world to find out and educate themselves on my transphobia and not praise me and not talk to me or be friends. It's, it's not their right. job to educate everybody, right. okay? So don't ask them to put in that emotional labor. Correct. Um, so let me see. So, yeah, so from You can there, see how very seriously I take that complaint. Right. And so from there, they started screenshotting my account and things and sharing it with their own Facebook groups and their own like, you know, friend groups. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was before I did this, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna be a professional and I'm gonna delete all of my posts that say anything about politics. Um, so I went back a year and I was like, let me delete anything that is talking about politics. So they were mm -hmm. still able to go back farther than that to find things in my feed that they found objectionable. And um, so then what happened is they're passing it around. So if I would post the weekly menu, they on a, a Facebook group like the to go tour, mm -hmm. they would all like mob me and put messages on it like saying, oh, this you need to know where you're spending money because you're helping a transphobe become rich. And mind you, like, I, oh, my <laughs> God, are, are you kidding me? Yeah, it, was, it really wasn't a profitable profitable business because, you know, the food cost is so high and then I needed help in the kitchen and then I needed cleaning help. Of course. Anyway, was, this, was this a business out of your home? Correct. Right. It's just a small business out of your own kitchen. Right. Let's just, I'm just a lady making food out of my kitchen because I got laid off. Like it's, I'm not, that's what, that's one of the other crazy things going on is I'm like, I don't know what I think I'm like making all this money off of them. Like they must be crazy. So, um, oh, and I think, you know, I, there were a lot of comments, but I think the thing that irritated me the most was there was a person on the to go tour, I think it was, that wrote, Holly, you know what you did. And I was like, Whoa, last summer? What are you talking about? I know. I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about what I did? Like, like that that made me angry because it was like that I knew that I was guilty of something. Like that made me mad. So then I started writing negative reviews about me on Yelp and there's still some there. And then they started writing them all on my page. So I had to turn off reviews for the page and they were um, doing them in Google. Then I had to go argue with Google and- um, Oh my goodness. Yeah, and so luckily, you know, I, I have friends, thank God. 
and they started responding to some of these arguments and you can see some of that in the page i sent you right um because i did i did document these conversations but yes. i have a password protected page and password yes, which was very smart people. of you right well so they don't accuse me of trying to get trans people killed because they you know they did it already um <laughs> yeah so well at first they they said you know oh uh, you know, by, by put, posting this trans person, like you're putting them at risk of violence. I'm like, okay, well, I will delete their name. There you go. Would wait, you like wait, you, what, what were you posting that was putting somebody at risk of violence? Okay. So when they, when they, when the, they first, there was like a big post about me on Facebook that you read. Um, I said to them, well, Gee, I, I uh, offered a trans person a job. I don't think that's something that you would do if you're transphobic. So let me just show you right here the conversation where I offered them a job and then I posted it. And oh my God, he got so mad. Oh my Lord, he was so angry. So, so then, so he called me manipulative. And oh, classic, then, classic projection. Right. And then they started telling me, oh, well, this is not evidence that you're not transphobic. This is just you trying to run a business. And then one of them was like, if I had worked there, it would have been a harmful environment for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're not working there. We're going to take, take a quick break right now, and then we'll come back and pick this story up on the other side. Okay. Kevin and Josh work themselves to the bone to bring you dark and disturbing content every week. There are starving listeners overseas who get no podcasts at all. Show appropriate gratitude today by making a donation at patreon.com forward slash disaffected or at subscribestar.com forward slash disaffected. Do it for mother. Welcome back. Holly, you were telling us about how um, if a trans person had worked at your business, that would have been a harmful environment for them. I have to say, and I'm sure most of the listeners here are already picking up on this and marking their bingo cards, uh, but I don't know these people, but the behavior that you're describing to me is, yes, classic cluster B type of behavior, personality disorder. Yeah, it was, it's abusive. Absolutely I really, abusive, yep, and I, projecting. I mean, they are creating the drama. They are, right. and, and here's one thing I wanna say about your response here, and I don't want, I please don't hear this as a, a you know, an intense criticism. It's it's an observation and it may even be something that you, you've come to to think of yourself. You responded absolutely the way a normal and rational person would. You know, you documented everything. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> you tried to be reasonable. You explained things in plain language to people and none of it worked because as we see, as is always the case, mm -hmm. they want the conflict. They do not want you to have an out. There's no redemption mm -hmm. and no grace. So this, what I would say, um, you know, for anybody who's experienced something like what Holly has experienced, if, if it happens again, this is a good place to remember the acronym JADE. Justify, argue, defend, 
explain, jade. That's one of those things that we should not do. We should not justify, argue, defend, or explain. Now, I, I realize there are going to be instances in which one does have to explain oneself. But when you are in a dynamic with people who are using abusive and manipul manipulative tactics, they want you to do this. This is the point of the game. That's why they keep having a problem. No matter how you solve the problem, they've got yet another one. The goal is to keep you engaged in the conflict and to keep compelling you to perform actions like taking down your posts or issuing a second apology. Once you've been through this one time, one or two times, as many of us have, um, the next time you're probably not going to be so willing to jade. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Okay. Can I just offer my own thoughts on that? Yeah, please do. If you don't agree with that, yeah. Or if you want to uh, complicate that, go right ahead. Thank you. So uh, you may be aware that James Lindsay had also had a post on uh, his, his podcast about what to do if you're canceled. And he advised people just don't engage them, don't talk to them and seek support from other people. And I totally agree that you have to seek support from other people, which is something I did. Like I went and spoke with other, you know, radical feminist groups yeah. and my friends. Um, but I'd like to talk about the first part of this. Like, so the way that I responded to them was, I said to them, okay, can you show me the screenshots of where I was transphobic and racist? Can you explain to me what is it that I have done or said that is transphobic and racist? And nobody could do it, no one. And I would get responses like, it's not my job to educate you. Or they would post a screenshot from you know a year or two ago on my Facebook, one of them said something like, um, like criti uh, critical race theory causes authoritarian behavior. It was something like that. And they put that as evidence of my racism. And I said, well, the behavior you're exhibiting now actually validates my initial post. This is what I'm talking <laughs> about, the way you're behaving right now. And the thing is like, you stay very calm, stay very cool, stay very collected, show compassion, be an mm -hmm. empathetic and kind person, you know, do like uh, Peter, I can't say his last name, but it starts with a B, Bogna something. Uh, Bogosian, Peter Bogosian. Bogosian. Yes, yes, yeah. I know. You know you I know, it. I had to say it a few times when I first learned it too. Well done. <laughs> but like, like Peter Bogosian says, always assume that your debate partner uh, is acting in good faith and that they're capable of having a, a good faith argument. So I, I put that out there yeah. and if they didn't take it, that, that that's up to them. And so I, I spoke with them for as long as I cared to, you know, I asked them to give me examples. Um, you know, I tried to respond to them. And then when it got to the point where they were just being so mean and cruel that I was starting to bother me a little. I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to walk away. And that's when mm -hmm. you look at the page I sent you, the, the, on the top post was my, re my reply to them of, okay, you know, here's what I'm doing. And what I want to explain is in by acting this way, if you have the patience to do so, you give them the rope to hang themselves. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I feel very confident about my actions and my behavior, mm -hmm. but I think that by giving them that space to just yell at me and, and hurl abuse at me, uh, anybody who goes and looks at their behavior is going to see who they are. Uh, they reveal themselves by their own bad behavior. That's so, a very good point. That's a very right. good point. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly a naive babe in the woods uh, because I'm a professional writer. I'm a brand strategist. I've worked on PR campaigns. You know, yeah. I've worked on, I'm like somebody that will go on Yelp or Google reviews and reply to someone who put a one star um, reply in your business. Like I've mm -hmm. been in the customer relations uh, industry since I worked at Norwegian Cruise Line and I, you know, I was in customer relations and I was promoted to a writer there. Sure. So I have a lot of expertise in this area. And so that's, you know, between you and me and the wall, I was doing this because I knew that I had the correct skill set to draw this out of them. So now, so now I have this, this evidence and anybody who looks at it, you know, can go and, and see who they really are. And also just between you and me, I wrote a set of talking points before I went into seven days. And lo and behold, she printed some of my talking points on your mm -hmm. word for word. So anyways. <laughs> no, I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, thank you for explaining that because it, 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 it illustrates uh, something that's important. Um, the, I think Holly, I think you're absolutely right. You know, you saying, you know, I'm not naive. I understand how this works. That's a very different mindset than a lot of people who are who are right. faced with a cancellation campaign. The right, first and most time. people don't want to. A lot of people may not want to go the route that I can't, that I went because mm -hmm. when you see these these things being said about you, you have a really strong emotional response. Yes. Like you start to feel afraid and yes. worried, and so a normal person, you know, I not a normal person, but someone who doesn't have that experience or skill set, like it may not be advisable, but. If you're feeling brave, my advice yeah, to you yeah. is just keep your cool and just be a rational person and say, listen, this is a democracy and I'd really like to hear ideas. Will you have a debate with me? They're going to tell you no again and again and again. And so the, whoever goes and reads that, you know, they're going to see who is, you know, a democratic citizen and who is an authoritarian citizen, period. Absolutely. So. You, you just gave the best argument for do it for the onlookers. Right, exactly. Um, illustrate the problem for people who are watching, for the audience, if you want to think of them that way. Because these, those there are people among the onlookers whom one can reach. There are people who will see that you behaved reasonably and the other people didn't. That's right. good. I get I I would I would say that the you know when I talk about don't jade, um, I think I'm I'm thinking more of people who are have have no experience in this and and believe that they actually may be able to get their persecutor to stop persecuting them. You can't do that. These people will not stop. Whether they That's are, right. whether they are, some of them are most you know almost certainly um, severely personality disordered. Some of them are not, but they're caught up in a cult. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are merely afraid and don't know what to do and are going along to get along. But there are people, but the people who are engaged in the dynamic in the moment are not ever going to stop being your persecutor. But you can do good by illustrating what 
what's actually at stake for the onlookers. So uh, thanks for that. That's a great. That's Correct. A and that, and you just uh, said in a nutshell what the strategy is when you're replying to a one-star review. If someone says, your business is awful and it sucks and it's terrible, what yeah. you do say, oh, I'm very sorry to hear about your concerns. Can we discuss them? Not because you necessarily think that person's going to come back and change their mind about their business, but the point is that everybody reading the review will see that your organization offered a rational, balanced, yes. incompassionate, so, they, so, so this attempt to smear you has actually been co-opted and turned into a way that you can come out looking better. That's, that's the conversion pipe that we're doing right here. Absolutely. And, if you feel like you don't have the emotional ability to do that, please don't even try. Like, just go on with your life. I mean, I did end up deleting my Facebook account because, yeah. you know, I do have PTSD and a lot of, you know. Uh, hello. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, too. I know. Right. I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, your story, Josh, because my father was a sociopath. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, was, I wasn't actually going to ask or prod about that, but I got to tell yeah. you, Holly, um, most of the people I talked to, and you know, I suspected, I was like, this woman knows some things and I'll bet she has some experience. Yeah, so yeah, and I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your mother and your experiences. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your father. Well. <laughs> but you, you clearly learned some useful lessons, not that you should have yeah, had I to learn so. them that way, but you've, turned, you've done the best with, with, with what you were given. Clearly. Right, that, that it's post-traumatic growth and I, I am so much better. Like I've been taking EMDR therapy for like at least a decade. So I'm doing okay. a lot. Would you, all right, let's, can we talk about that for a minute? I know it wasn't supposed to be part of the show, but I'm very curious about that. It's been suggested uh -huh. to me and I haven't spoken to someone who has experience with it. Could you tell us what it stands for and what it does and what you think about it? Uh, yeah, I would be glad to. Um, let me... C-E-M-D-R, what is it? What does it stand for? I know it has to do oh, with eye, eye movement. movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Yeah, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So okay. there was, the story I'm told is there was a psychiatrist who was walking through the park one day, and they were watching something like tennis, like, you know, something where their eyes were going back and forth one side to the other. And they were walking through the park because they were thinking about something emotional that they were feeling. And they realized there was a change in the way that they felt about the subject. And so they looked into it further. And so EMDR is where you think about an experience and bring up a traumatic event in all of the pain and emotions that you have with that traumatic event. And then the therapist stimulates um, alternatingly both halves of your brain. So, you know, they might do tapping like tap, 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 but on, um, to, you know, on both sides of your body. Okay. And so while that's happening, um, it causes you to route new neural pathways, uh, about the traumatic experience and about the emotions. And so they, they do this several times, you know, through the session and through different sessions, and they use a rating scale, you know, so that they can, you know, mathematically, you know, give it a, a number of how, how bad you're feeling. And the, and the point is over the weeks, you start to see that rating scale go down 
And then when it gets to zero, it's just a, a normal memory of anything else that, but you don't feel that same emotional charge and you will not get triggered in your life because that trauma pathway has been healed. And I find it to be highly effective. And I think people, if cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't work for you, by all means, try EMDR. Thank you. That's that's the first time I've, I've spoken to somebody who, who explained it um, from the inside and, and the fact that you found it that helpful. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm finally going to have to do something about it and maybe try it myself. It's something that you do. It, well, maybe there are different kinds. You you do a therapy. You do it with a therapist, or is this is it something you can do on your own as well? Well, you want to find a therapist who specializes in it. Like there's some excellent therapists at the Adams Center. Like find someone who specializes it, mm -hmm. and I, I you know after a while you are able to do it to yourself. Like when my little old Sebastian passed away, he was my toy poodle and he lived Aww. to be 19, but I was there in the vet and I was putting him to sleep. And, you know, I never thought I'd be able to part with him, but I started doing EMDR myself. I started tapping and I just started talking to him and I was like, so you will always be here. You will never leave me. And you get to heaven and you find my mom and, and she's going to be your friend. She loves little dogs. And you know what? Ever since that experience, like grieving for him was not as hard because I, I tapped it in. I, I, I processed it like I input it into myself and that, you know, I find that 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 really helps in so many ways. Like if I'm driving and I have an anxiety attack because, mm -hmm. because you know, like driving is just one of the things that scares me, yep. I can pull over and, and do some tapping in it, it really helps me to process it and calm down. So I, I recommend great. it to anybody who has, you know, PTSD or other trauma issues. It sounds like it might be particularly helpful for some kinds of panic attacks too. I mean, not just acutely, but, but you know, over time as well. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it's good. You should definitely give it a try. I may just. Well, Holly, um, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we could go on and maybe maybe we'll come back again and, and, and talk about some more of this stuff. But I want to thank you for giving the listeners and me another example of what it is like to live in a state like what we have here. You know, and how long yeah. how long have you been in Vermont? Gee, I guess I moved up here in 2012. Okay. But um, I just want to say that, you know, Peggy was a senior citizen, she was frail when I looked at her and she stood here right where I'm next to by my door and she told me the most horrible stories of abuse that these young people did to her in these nasty, filthy, disgusting things that a 19 year old said to her. And we should be thanking her generation, we sh those people should have been yes. thanking Peggy because these young people were calling themselves quote unquote queer and they would have never had the freedom to have their movement and you know march down the street if it wasn't for Peggy who really is put through some shit through the ringer. And if you look um, you know, on her Facebook page, like I didn't I didn't even know she was gone until I saw your your yeah, broadcast. sadly. So so uh you will see that even until the end, you know, she was a frail lady. I cannot imagine speaking that way to an older person. Like that's why one of the reasons why I wouldn't back down is because 
I hated the way that they were treating this older woman. And I was like, you know what? I'm 40, you know, fight mm -hmm. me. Like, don't do this to an older person who should be enjoying their time with their grandparent, you know, their grandkids and stuff. Um, you know, and I, I have to and say- And as you said, somebody, somebody who actually materially brought a lot of the freedoms right. that these people actually enjoy that they think they don't enjoy. Right, they have no gratitude. It's like, you should have a deep sense of gratitude. And I feel that because of my age being part of Gen X, like it is yep. my duty to communicate the experiences and the knowledge I've learned from the second wave foremothers and pass it yep. on to younger people. Like, I feel like that's my unique role in this. And I, I just, I can't imagine treating an older person that way. And she said all these horrible things that they were telling her and it just it really broke my heart and now that she is gone i am i'm even more glad that i stood up for her because yes. the way you treated her was wrong you know like you god you shouldn't do that to somebody who's an older person yeah period. well you should you, yeah and you shouldn't do it to anybody um i'll tell you sometime um Sometime when we talk again, whether it's on the show or not, Holly, I'll tell you the story about my lunch with Peggy and how uh, <laughs> how yeah. scrappy how scrappy she got. Exactly, when and up until the end, she was still she's still willing to fight. Like she's still. I know. Like, <laughs> but that's she, the she way they all are. Like all of those ladies from the second wave, they're all like that. They're fucking fighters. Like you know, yep. Julie Dawson. I'll tell you one time, she taught me how to do clinic defense, and you know, she was a real fighter. So they, they teach you not, they're teaching you to fight. They're teaching you not to back down. It's just, you know, when I fight, you know, I, I try to fight in like a different way, you know? Yes. Like fight without, fight without ever fighting. <laughs> yeah, I get it. it works. Really, really well said. Really nice tribute to Peggy too. Hey, yeah. Holly, thank, thank you so much for joining us on the show here. Thank you for telling your story. I'm awfully <laughs> glad to know you're out there. I'm glad you're part of the audience and I'm glad I know you. So well, I'm really pleased to meet you. And uh, thanks for just letting me talk to everyone. And thanks to everyone out there listening. And if you're being canceled, you're not alone. There's more people like us than you think. You just have to break the silence. Amen. And that's a great way to wrap it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Disaffected. We will see you again or hear you again soon. Well. Hello, listener. It's Mommy again. You're quite welcome for the fine programming. Why don't you show some gratitude? Send Mommy some money on Patreon, patreon.com slash disaffected, or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. You wouldn't want Mommy to starve, would you? And if you don't love your dear mother, you're not invited to find us on YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey for our hottest weekly content. I guess this is goodbye forever.